This is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer. I'm with Mark Stepp and Patty Zanine. This is Full Contact Cannabis, a cannabis professional podcast sponsored by Tennessee Homegrown. Patty, my goodness, golly gosh, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for, for having me on again, Harold. It's always good to reconnect with everybody. Well, you've been busy. I have been very, very busy, actually, and it's been a kind of a whirlwind ride the last few months, but I'm happy to report I'm still here. <laughs> Patty is now residing in Panama, and the name of your company is? American International Sprout AI. Okay. We're sister companies. We work together. Uh, Theracan International is the managing partner and services the Sprout AI technology for okay. vertical, vertical cultivation systems. Well, me and Step follow international events, although we're Americans. <laughs> <laughs> so how are things now down in Panama? And just for you folks don't know, Panama's had a little bit of unrest about surprise, yeah. inflation, yeah. and uh, not being able to get stuff. It's been an eye-opening experience, you guys. Um, coming from Denver, uh, Colorado to Panama, um, it's a huge cultural shift for me. And there has been some unrest lately. It's made some of the news. Um, yeah, the workers, the general population is sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the economy um, is, is not flourishing, so to speak. And new industries aren't really coming online like they need to be to offer economic development, employment opportunities, et cetera. Hopefully, you know, the cannabis industry um, which has been was legalized here in almost a year ago, 2021. Well, I guess more than that now. Uh, 2021, they legalized it, but we still don't have any any when legislation, say, any rules and regs. So when you say it legalized it, is that med or is that rec or both? Med, oh, medical. Yeah, I'm I'm speaking medical right okay. now. Um, I know that the vision hopefully will include the adult use, but right now we're talking about uh, medicine for people here and the people who need medicine are getting it illegally technically right now people are, are having it shipped in or there's certain home grows that are available it's a very very tight-knit community it's very underground um because they have to be technically i'm committing a crime every day i smoke the joint here you know um it, it's really weird to come from the freedom of the state of colorado in particular which has been adult use since 2014, which is when I started my cannabis, you know, uh, career. Um, and, and so I've been spoiled. I mean, I, I don't think twice about walking in a dispensary, walking out of it, who sees me, you know, going home, rolling a joint, sitting on my balcony. I mean, in Colorado, we were even a little lax. We were smoking it like they do in New York on the streets. You come here, it's taboo. You know, religiously and socially, it's been, you know, the war on drugs did a really good job here. And um, people need to be educated on the real, you know, uses of it. And that's hopefully what, you know, I'm going to get to be a part of one way or another. Yeah, it feels like California about 30 years ago. Yeah, maybe, you know. And again, there's some really strong players here and people that are trying to make movement. But it's a very, very politically corrupt country. The government here is just, they're greedy MFers, you know, um, and they're trying to wrap their brain around how they're going to get a piece of the pie. Isn't that sort of how the way it is in the United States? 
Well, you know what? I, I, I know that it exists in the United States. Here, it's just at a different level. And it's just contained between such a smaller group of people. Have you lived in Tennessee? No, I have not. I've only traveled through Tennessee. Well, that's what I'm saying is there are parts of the United States, and, and I say this with a love because I'm in Tennessee, it's exact same way as you're talking about in Panama. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, you're right. And I, every time I say this, have this conversation with somebody, I go, you know what? I've been hearing for years from other um, colleagues in different states in the United States describing just what you're saying and what I'm describing here. You know, um, so not having the rights that I'm used to having has been a um, an eye-opening experience for me. So um, well, it's it's interesting because it's a, we're only a country of four million people here. Yeah. You know, it's a very small population and mostly densely populated in one spot. Well, uh, the thing that gets me though is, quite frankly, in a bunch of states in the United States and countries, it's all the same thing. Pretty well, you have to be living in a cave under a rock inside the center of the earth, not to know the revenue stream cannabis brings, right? Potentially, yeah, and the jobs. The EU right now is wrestling with this very same thing. I mean, you had Malta. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So now you're there, and all this is going on. Are you reconsidering your profit model? Well, honestly, um, you know, the, the company came here to do cannabis business for sure. While waiting for the country to get their act together, we're in multiple countries. We're not just focused on Panama, thank goodness. We want to be one of the driving forces and we want to be a part of it here. But we have business going on right now in South Africa and Zimbabwe. In the process, we have one under um, being built out now. Have number two, have an LOI signed on another one. We're in Canada, but we're also not just cannabis focused. Harold, I'm not sure if you realize that. Our growing oh, yeah. systems that we are, um, it's our IP, it's agnostic. So I can grow anything from cucumbers to cannabis in them. My job has been not only I want to go to the cannabis sectors, but I'm also servicing food deserts and urban needs as far as fresh agriculture. Wherever we have cannabis, I want to take the food and vice versa. It just depends on my license, licensing approvals, right? Regardless of whether it's celery or cannabis, right mm -hmm. now the, the planet is in an economic downturn because I'm seeing it with companies here in the United States who had plans to go and do things internationally. Well, mm -hmm. they all are reconsidering that because the markets they're going into are tightening up as well. In fact, it seems mm -hmm. that the foreign markets have tightened up way more than Western Europe or United States. And also the other thing that's happened a lot is the liquidity isn't there. So when it comes into tapping into revenue for expansion, that mm -hmm. environment has changed as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're, we're in that boat. You know, when we are expanding, we're constantly looking for more capital. Um, the good news is phase one of our projects is paying for phase two. And as far as the global market, you're right. And you know what? There's so much more out here. It's Again, it's been such an eye-opening experience. And we want to export from here. We want to, or whatever country that we have projects in, for example, the Zimbabwe project, we will export from Zimbabwe to Germany, to Portugal. We have Mexico on our radar. We have Brazil on our radar. We, Colombia, we just- Well, uh, I, I know, but let's go back to Germany. Why do you think the German farmers are going to let large-scale cannabis come into the country? Well, right now, that's all we can import. We can't import finished product to Germany. 
which is part of our plan and why they set it up that way so that the farmers are the only guys there. Um, right. Well, the manufacturers, yeah. So the farmers will be farming and the manufacturers are the ones who will do the finished product. So the well, farmers won't, yeah, go ahead. Well, but what I'm saying is the EU has a mm -hmm. history of protecting their agricultural enterprises. And the whole point is that why would Germany be any different than Michigan or Oregon or Colorado? Depends on your players and who's driving the bus. No, no, no. but what you I'm know? saying is once the, the ag gets up in Canada, cannabis uh -huh. agricultural gets up in Germany, why will they not, especially being able to be as automated, and I do know the technology that's coming out of that country agriculturally, why would they buy from third world country? Well, right now, they're third, well, if you want to call Zimbabwe a third world country, um, we feel we're building an EU GMP compliant facility that will be able to ship anywhere. The only mm -hmm. thing that's enticing about third world countries is to be able to exploit labor. Once you have automated cannabis, why does growing in third world countries seem that interesting? Well, it's because we're coming self-contained. I mean, what's interesting to us is, yeah, the lower cost of barrier of entry, the lower cost of exactly labor. But why do you think you can compete in that market with the automation and how great of business people they are? Well, we think that we have a superior heads up on our on our particular automation and our efficiencies to challenge um, all those price the, the pricing. You know, we it's it's going to be competitive. I'm not arguing with you at all. It's going to be incredibly competitive um, in that market. And again, I think a lot of people have on their radar Germany for different reasons. But honestly, I think that there's other countries to focus on, again, to go towards, to bring this technology, to bring cultivation to a whole nother level. And I'm speaking specifically to pharmaceutical grade material that will go to, uh, mostly that would be distributed through pharmacies in most of the countries, it seems like that we're, we're gonna be working with. And it mm -hmm. just seems like internationally right now, cannabis is probably one of the most competitive commodities on the planet. And that mm -hmm. there are very, very, very smart, good business plan men and women mm -hmm. in canvas right now losing their shirt. Yep. And the future just seems not to be getting any bit better. It seems to be getting worse. Hmm. Well, I guess we see things a little bit differently. As well, things I mean, are how come the price? Okay, how come mm -hmm. internationally the prices of cannabinoids continue to plummet? Well, you know, they're they're still higher than they are in the States. The problem is we want to make to protect that to some degree, right? The race to the bottom sucks. Um, and, and that's not what we want to be as a race to the bottom. And again, we're creating a product that's pharmaceutical grade that's going to universities for research or for the manufacturing of pharmaceutical grade material. Little Tennessee mm -hmm. Homegrown is compliant all across the board and has supplied stuff to universities. So Have you I'm guys shipped anything abroad? We did Japan. You got to be out of your friggin' mind to want to try to sell cannabinoids in some country. And if this is the thing about it, is you can have cheap source, but by the time that you do all the compliancy, all the shipping costs and get it through, yeah. get it through yeah. now you've added anywhere from 30 to 40% on your cost. If you expect your product to get across a couple continents and get in a port of entry and it's a cannabinoid and do it really quickly, 
you're delusional. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It is. And again, I, I get that. And hopefully, and again. And you never know when you're going to get like, we ship to Canada and mm -hmm. it's like roulette. We mm -hmm. have no idea when Health Canada all of a sudden is going to go, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. going to, and it'll be stuck in customs for two weeks. Yeah, no, I get it. And I'm learning a lot about the shipping internationally here too. We're just trying to ship some extraction equipment from uh, both the States and part of it was here. Things that should take a day, take a week. Things that take a week, you know, take a month. You know, as, as the more we do it, the better we'll get. And we'll have a better understanding of management of time and how long it does take. We're ribbon cutting. We just moved back a few days. Our ribbon cutting in Zimbabwe will be September 21st on phase one of the facility that we're doing. So it's been a bitch, you guys, you know, and again, you got clients yeah. that you're trying to live <laughs> on, you know, deadlines, you got KPIs, you know, everybody's, it's, we got boots on the ground in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe, we got them in Toronto, we've got them here in Panama. We got them in Australia and we're all working as a team just to get that all scare of these the hell out of it? it makes it's anxious. No, but I mean, sure. I mean, because <laughs> this is the thing. Where are the big companies that have so far been able to do multinational or international cannabis and do it right? Well, they're they're far and few between, and you're right. But I think from listening to some of the the, my experts, the people that I speak to, again, we're just still waiting for the evolution. Now, some people want to be first to market. These are the people that are rushing in and are going to get there first, while others are sitting back watching, saying, okay, let's see what these guys can do first. You know, let them waste their money and their time. So it's, I find that working with a group of people that are actually making success and making the right connections, those are the ones that I'm going to hang on to. I just joined a, a membership of a group. It's a global cannabis network collective. It's a group of 250 members um, at general that are involved in the industry in either THC or CBD expanding globally are currently in two or more countries will be the membership. And again, shared collective ideas, powerful, using uh, our strengths for whether it's lobbying, making movement in different governments, monitoring um, the market. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that right there, what you said, make you nervous? No. No, no because people no, no, this, well, no. no, the part that makes me nervous is, and mm. I always think United Fruit Company, when mm. people groups say they're going to go in and start manipulating governments to get the conditions they want that sounds a hell of a lot like cannabis colonialism hmm. well you know what i see it as an opportunity to work with like-minded people to help drive all of our businesses isn't there pause for thought how many people have come in to try to take advantage of bananas or whatever it is agricultural product gone into mm -hmm. third world countries manipulated the local government and ripped it and ran. That's a time-honored tradition. And why do we think cannabis will be different? No, I haven't. I guess you and I look at things a little bit different. Well, no, but Carol. what I'm saying is we have a company, a big, huge company going to a small company to try to go make money. And yeah. when you go into places like Zimbabwe and stuff like that, who right now, as you both know, the Chinese are going in double-fisted. And the mm -hmm. only reason is not to prop up the, the Zimbabwe people. They're, the Chinese mm -hmm. are in there to make money and money alone. Mm -hmm. the the, the, here as we are, first world nation that has been going in countries 
now for decades and pretty well behaving badly. Mm -hmm. At what point well, do we own it? That's not my goal. We want to go in and prop up our communities. I'm, part of my out, community outreach, wherever we go now, too, is my food component, bringing fresh food to these communities. They can grow outdoor all they want, but they're not going to get the quality or the crop variety that we can on the indoor. So we want to bring nutritional food to the communities. We want to treat, teach new skills so they can actually run this equipment and do it on their own and become you know, independent. Now, I, I know, believe me, I've seen the greed. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I've watched it, you know, and I get where you're, where you come from, Harold. We do have a teeny bit of a different perspective. I'm not as negative on how things have been rolling out um, because I have been part of some successes and I happen to respect the people that I work for. I know what our core values are and what our ultimate goals are. We want to have a presence in, on every continent. We want to be contributing members to the industry, to the cannabis in particular, and into the food shortage, shortages and being part of the UN uh, 2030 uh, initiative, which will, again, bring everyone to more independence, bring our ESG scores higher. Um, that, that's those are some of the areas. And we're very, very involved in research and development. We're working with EDAP, which is like the MIT here in Latin America. Um, they'll be using our facility. They decided to skip the greenhouses and aquaponics, and they're going to go with fog aquaponics, which is our technology. And again, we're just kind of staying in our lane. I'm not really too concerned about what other people are doing because we know what we're doing. We need to be efficient, be able to financially support what we're doing. You're absolutely right. It's not easy to make a dollar. It's not easy. That's where this technology is going to come in and our, our genetics are coming in distribution model. My job is to sell it. Among other things, I seem to wear quite a few hats with the company, which I love. I, I, I'm just not going to be so doomsday about it, Harold. That's well, it's I understand why you hold, have hold, kind hold, of hold, a negative connotation hold, 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 hold and it. how these guys have come in, you no, know, no. these public companies have all fucked up, you know. Pat, Pat, I get it. I get no, it. No, I don't think you do. You're, you're talking about why certain countries and certain states are hesitant and stuffed about get into it. That mm -hmm. the, 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 the reputation of cannabis behaving badly is a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, no. so as an <laughs> industry, if we don't start policing ourselves, if we don't start mm -hmm. having a culture that mm -hmm. is more inclusive and the fact, and, and we have to self police. That's the, to me, yeah. we know what the biggest problem with cannabis is, is we're standing in a group of four people and they, they are talking about stuff that, it just ruined the business and the fifth person who knows better will remain silent. Yeah. It's a shame. It's kind of like the U S government, huh? Yeah, but, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Is, <laughs> but, but it is, it's one, that's the reason why I started this podcast uh -huh. was to get the fluff, the cheerleaders, the people that were always trying to sell something, get them mm -hmm. out and be able to see the, the industry as it is, because how does cannabis mm -hmm. grow up? Uh, it's going to have to start one one person at a time, one business at a time that takes the initiative and isn't afraid to be the first child for putting the click down. But again, I get it. There's small groups of people out there that are doing what you uh, what you're suggesting, and nobody, you know what? Too, don't forget, we guys don't want to police shit. They want to do what they want when they want for the most part. Nobody's going to tell them what to do. So I think they fight amongst themselves. I think. They are working against themselves a lot, oftentimes. And then, you know, they're not getting with the program that this is the future. This is the new cannabis. It's not like it was 30 years ago. 
when people were selling packs, you know, from driving packs across, you know, the United States from Cali to New York. Why is Apple the way Apple is? They built a strong foundation, had core values. I think oh. they had a really good leader. Yeah, I think that it, their technology was beyond anything anybody had seen before. It's like Elon Musk, he's doing shit nobody else thought, you know, has been able to accomplish. I think they curated a brand. I think a brand is where you need to be at. It's not necessarily about your flower. You need to create the story well, and the yeah, brand. The flower, the flower, I mean, but that's what I'm saying is, is that integration into it. And then, and, and I just, it's frustrating that people keep thinking that this is going to change. And it's not the industry has to change. We have to change. Yeah, the people. Mm-hmm. Yes. The ch- industry's not going to change until we do. I mean, like yeah. right now, this morning, Marijuana Business Daily, right? Our mission, yeah. the prices have plummeted for last yeah. year at this time from $2,200 a pound indoor to $600 a pound. This year. <laughs> Ouch. We had that happen in, in Denver a couple of years ago. Well, it's going to happen, I mean, but this is the thing about it is that will happen everywhere. Germany, Switzerland, Zimbabwe, because mm-hmm. if you can grow it and farmers are everywhere, how many people have basically say, I'm going to grow my way out of this? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, we talk about the farmers and outdoor farming. I think that their, their niche is going to be different than the indoor guys. I think their product can't compare to the indoor. They're going to have to be competitive on what they're growing because indoor greenhouse product is going to come produce a completely different product. In my I know, opinion. but if you can only get $600 a pound for it, how do you make money? Well, you got to grow up for less than 200. <laughs> yeah. It can be done. Yeah, yeah you do. And you got to set up. These guys are not going to go away in this world. It's, it seems like cannabis, it's all, it continually tries to find a way that it can do something cheaper instead of trying to make cannabis work in the United And I'm not talking about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. But okay. if I can't make it here in California, as soon as it opens up in Delaware, I'll go to Delaware. Oh, and that's instead, foolishness. No, but that's what he's done in the United States. As markets go and markets get saturated and complication of, they just migrate to new markets. Well, I say you got to have a pretty strong foundation. I've heard recently, though, in Denver, there has been a huge attrition rate kind of back from the beginning, like 16, I would say 16, 17, we had a pretty big attrition rate. Sounds like I heard about some big brands that are closing down. It's really sad. It breaks my heart. Yeah, these were guys that started in the beginning. They had five or six stores. They've got 300, 400,000 square feet of cultivation. And I don't know what happened. I don't know their business model. I don't know where the wheels came off the bus. No, I, I don't know. All I know is a lot of people, they get, uh, they're, they're horrible at finances. They don't pay their taxes. They, they aren't good to their culture. You know, I mean, there's a whole checklist of reasons. Um, non-compliance, you know, it. There's so many ways because you can lose. A, it's a lot easier to lose a license than it is to, to obtain a license. And um, I just think there's so many nuances to it that people just are not grasping. I, I know it's like these guys here in Panama. They all the seven guys who have licenses. They've never grown weed before. They you know they own banks. They own real estate. They own all kinds of shit. But now they think they're going to make lots of money growing weed. That's not how it works. That's what I keep telling them. Yeah. Speaking of attrition, Patty, based on the 
unrest and changes in Panama, do you think you and your partners will have a threshold of a pullout or do you think it motivates you even more to make it work? I'm incredibly motivated now and I've had the pleasure of meeting a small group of people that are driving the force behind it. But again, um, it's so political, you guys. It's way beyond anything I'm accustomed to. You know, I, I just, it, it's just, it's families here. It's not political parties. It's fam, literally families that run Panama. So you got to get in with the right family. And that's what we want to do. You know, work with a team that has the license, has the funding, and have us come in and show them how to do indoor cultivation. Now there's guys, I got in it with a guy the other day that wants to grow hemp outdoors here. Oh, geez. Growing hemp outdoors here is, might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard, <laughs> honestly. And this guy, and I didn't say it to him that way. I just said, if I was going to grow outdoors, I would do CBG, you know, if I was gonna even go outdoors, because there's no way you're gonna grow compliant hemp in Panama, let alone something that you could use for medicine. So it's got to go indoors. We got plenty of empty buildings here, just like everywhere else. And we also come with a building company that we can drop ship and plug and play the perfect building to house vertical farming. Again, the mentality here is, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. No, you're not. You know, and you guys don't even wait till the rules and regs start changing and they start amending shit. And, you know, it, it, they've got so far to go. But knowing that, we well, know that how does. to place ourselves. But that does seem to be a fad because I've personally been contacted by people who want to grow hemp in Puerto Rico, in Jamaica, yep, in the yep. U.S. Virgin Islands. And, did yep. I mention Colombia? And Columbia. Yeah, well, Colombia is on everybody. Let me tell you what, Colombia yeah, is. Well, well, but they're calling me here. And, and, we're, yeah. and we're talking to them. And I said, you know, why do you think that you can get into this market and compete with the Europeans and the Canadians? And they said, well, yeah, what do you well, mean? we got this cheap labor. And I said, yeah, but they automated. Three guys can do a thousand acres. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You're right. Yeah, and it's just, and when he heard that, and I said, you can't compete with that. I said, if you're talking about producing biomass, did you can't compete? with large-scale agricultural entities. You can't. I mean, we. I know this for a fact because I've been hired a couple times by different groups to come in and check, you know, seed, oil, fiber, and cannabinoids. And anytime mm -hmm. that the numbers would work right, they have already developed their protocols and they can move into it in 18 months. In 18 months, they can have a crop. And we're yeah. talking about thousands of acres. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I you know, again, it's... Uh, it was almost like the best of class, you know, that yeah. I think about it. It's like, which class are you in? And then where do you fit in that, in your class? Um, and and, and see, and that's the thing about it is mainstream agriculture has not really grabbed a hold of hemp because the numbers aren't there. But I guarantee you, EU farmers, uh, Canadian farmers, farmers of the United States, that when it's a stable market and the numbers there, they'll shift in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Well, honestly, I, I, nothing would make me happier than see farmers make money. You know, <laughs> I'm not against it. Let me get inside. But, I am. Um, I again, but keeping up is, is going to be difficult. You're absolutely right. 
And well, I'm, but I was talking about hemp, which is totally different thing. Yeah, than high yeah, THC. yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. One yeah, thing I right. would love to get back because right. our listeners are mostly situated in the United States. I would love to get your thoughts after you being in Colorado and in in rec for seven mm-hmm. years. What can these guys do in Colorado? Oh, God. I'd be making a lot of money if I knew the answer to that. Um, I think, again, it's about scaling efficiencies. It's about, there's there's a market of people, I think, buyers that buy cannabis just to get high. They, they don't care. They buy their price, you know, um, purchasers. There's others that are looking for quality. There's others that, uh, you know, more medicinal driven, looking for the terp profiles and, you know, the cannabinoid ratios. So we've got several different buyers. And I always say to my clients, you know, who is your buyer before you ever put it in the ground? Before you open a store, who is your buyer? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even though there was a lot of, you know, good research and marketing development for a lot of the Colorado guys, there is a saturation. And even though we capped license in Denver proper, we still have a lot of cultivation in Denver. There's probably millions of square feet in Denver alone, feeding 400 stores-ish, if I remember correctly. When I left, it was about 400 um, in the greater Denver area. There's a lot of competition. And what is the answer? Again, I personally stay in my own lane, do my job, create a culture with my employees where they want to stay and do their best, give them incentives, create a model that other people want to um, emulate. There's way more to being profitable, of course, is important, but it's about the image of your company and what you're doing in your community. I think a lot of the larger corporations that came in don't do anything. They don't plug in. They just think they're going to come in and grow the best weed anybody's ever had, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got um, recalls, you know, of sloppiness, people not following SOP. I mean, there's just so many reasons that this business can fail. How do you stay in business in Denver, Colorado? I think the ones that really dug deep. That's why I'm surprised about Buddy Boys. Buddy Boys recently went out and those guys started from beginning. And those boys, I think, were Miami guys. You know, a lot of these guys, too, back when we first went adult use, when I was buying and trading licenses, these guys were coming in from all out of state when they weren't supposed to. You know, they're all getting proxies. And, you know, they some of them started off a little bit on shaky ground, you know, and I'm not, I just use Buddy Boys as a point of reference, but I'm not speaking about them directly about this, you know, because I don't know their structure. All I know is they did dig in deep, and I thought they had more culture. Apparently, they can't grow weed at you know, an efficient price to be able to keep up with the market. Because, you know, another thing that screwed, went kind of took us on a tailspin a few years ago. Do you remember the sweet leaf debauchery? Oh, they yeah. had like 16 stores and they got nailed for looping, we call it, where they weren't monitoring the maximum limits that yeah, could Yeah, you could sold. go in and buy a pound. Yeah, but you had to go in yeah. Eight times to do it. <laughs> it was just the epitome of legal black market, you know, and when those guys were taken out of the market and shut down, um, all of a sudden there was a glutton of flour on the market because they were the biggest buyer of wholesale market weed there was. Regardless, they even had 250,000 square feet of cultivation under their belt and they couldn't keep up because they were feeding the black market. So when they shut down all all their sellers, all the wholesale cultivators were left with hundreds of pounds they bought thousands of pounds a week a week 
um, all of a sudden we went from 2000 a pound down to a thousand to 900 to 800. You could buy fire a couple of years ago for $600 a pound. So unless you were vertically integrated and had some place to sell it out of, you know, you were taking a huge hit and most of these guys are growing it for $400 a pound, you know, or more. They're not efficient. Some guys were growing it $800 a pound for a while there. And they think because they're growing the best weed ever, but they never occurred to them they couldn't sell it. There's so many dynamics to it. And that's why I think trying to, to, to pigeonhole the reasons why this one failed or this one is successful. There's so many different pieces to the puzzle, Harold, is what I'm saying, that, that influence and affect the final outcome of that consumer getting their hands on your product, if they ever get lucky enough to get their hands on it. Marijuana growers don't make good merchants. No, that's a good point. That's and, good and, point. and that's the thing about, I think the cannabis industry hasn't come to grips with is if you're not a good merchant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to sell your products. And it's one of the things it just seems to get in. And it is, you, I keep thinking the dealer mentality will get out of this oh. damn business. Yeah, but no, it, it's still. It, it is. I mean, that's like, we're going to grow the best weed. So? Yep. And everybody's going to come and find it. What, <laughs> is just it like, just going to fall out of the sky? No, it's, your like, lap, so you know? you're, it's like, no. You know, you no. I had to, I wanted to grow a bunch of weed, real good cannabis, and, and there was going to be a guy come up our uh, drive with, you know, a dump truck and a checkbook. <laughs> I hear you. But you know what I was thinking, Harold, when you mentioned about growers not being good merchants, that was one of the things early on that I remember catching my attention in Denver. Originally, the medical licensed needed to have a retail establishment. They forced vertical integration at a time when cultivators just wanted to cultivate. They said, no, you're gonna have to have a store. Well, I think that set them up for failure. Not everybody who grows, like you said, knows how to run a retail location. And though I do love vertical integration, it takes a village, you know? I mean, the expertise required that's why I think some people, it's good to do what you do best. Be a cultivator. Don't try to be a cultivator and run stores. Unless that's part of your core competency and you have experts on your team and you bring in, you know, the 7-Eleven crew that knows how to, you know, do mass marketing and branding and, you know. But again, are you are you going to do Home Depot weed or do you want Cartier weed? You know, again, who is your buyer? I think the craft guys still have a great shot at the market. It's I, like, I, I really do. But you know, I mean, they, they're they worried do, about but, corporate, but yeah, go but, ahead. I'm but it still comes back to that whole point, though, is it's still about the weed. And I think, mm -hmm. and this is where I think all these companies do. It's not about the weed. It could be a cheeseburger. It's about, yeah. the it's about the customer experience. And one of the things that never ceases to amaze me is walking in some places and going like, if you guys didn't have weed, I would not be in here. <laughs> right? Yeah, I agree. You, you I 100% agree. And that's why some of the stores that do stay open, it's an enigma. You know, the ones that close that you go, wow, I'm surprised they closed. And then there's some that you walk in and go, how do these guys stay in business? I don't have a reasonable answer, <laughs> you know, but, um, other than they got some kind of following or people, you know, to the culture. You know, they need to be pretty 
finicky or um, fickle. And if they're not getting what they want, and all of a sudden you raise prices, yeah, they're going to go. They're they're price driven more than we driven. You know, they just want to get high. That's a different animal versus the the connoisseurs. The where do the growers go? You know, that's where I always ask when I was first looking for a good flower in Denver. I asked my grower, you know, if you guys aren't smoking your own, who's you smoking? That's who I like to know. And those guys maintain a following. It's a very small industry in that way where they follow each other and i've been following the same growers there's probably five of them and again it's culture i follow growers i'm not as price driven as as maybe a lot of people though i you know i do count my pennies but i'm more looking for the quality um the finished product again i don't care about just getting high i'm looking for an effect that's deeper than that you know that mind out of mind feeling that's of no interest to me you know, I need, I have spreadsheets to do. I have meetings to attend. I have some physical ailments that require medication. So we all have our different reason why we're using it. I think, um, Harold, that's why I think there's something for everybody. And I'm, I'm sorry that some people are having a tough time keeping up. I think it sucks, um, but not everybody gets to do what they want to do or can keep up with the progress that certain industries are making. You know, some car companies are able to make the same car a little bit less expensive, but you know, it's still plastic and it doesn't always work and I don't get a warranty, you know, whatever. I'm just, you know, using some random examples. Uh, we don't have a store because we don't think we'd be good at running a store. There you go. We're, we're online, we put in a mm-hmm. bunch of stores, but the stores we go into, there's one particular group and I can call their Marley's. And mm-hmm. oh my God, when you go in there, it's you, you're younger than me, but you might remember oh. Cheer, Cheers. Oh yeah, yeah. When you I go do. into that, that place, it's like going into Cheers. Nice, nice. I love it. Love and it. They tend to do probably the best amount of moving products and stuff. Coincidence? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I love that. I love to hear that, and I love it. Because again, like we got, there are some stores you walk in and you go, how do they stay in business? How do they pay the rent here? I figure they must be laundering money or something, you know, it's like, or uh, it's just a write-off. Uh, they don't need it. You know, maybe I, it's I, I think your first, job. Your first observation is right. How much in some of these places, how much illegal stuff goes through? Yeah, that's just it. I, and again, without pointing fingers, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And don't forget, <laughs> we're still dealing, we're dealing with a cannabis, we'll go back to old culture mentality where you didn't, nobody knows where you grow, how you grow, how much money you make, where you keep your money, you never show anybody your grow, you know, where things have changed, you know, grows are open, there's some more transparency, but there's still that mindset, I can do it my way, you know, they'll never know. You know, that's about getting around the rules and I don't care what the government says. I'm going to do it my way. Those kind of attitudes are going to put you out of business. You know, it should be, what can I do to set the standard higher? What can I do to use my facility as the example that the fire department comes through, the city council comes through when somebody's trying to get approval? You know, those are the kind of things that I like to be a part of. And I'm constantly looking when I even walk through our building, what can we do better? You know, um, whether and all of it, and it takes multiple sets of eyes and people with experience that have been through it and know what not what works, what doesn't work. 
really. You just don't want to go down that. And, you know, and it, and it heralds, you know, too, I, I would love to know how things are going for you. You know, well, you do have your hands on the pulse okay. there um, right now in the hemp side. Yeah. Tell you real quick, like here we do analytics. What's not selling, we've discontinued. Equipment mm -hmm. that's not bringing a return on investment, got rid of. People mm -hmm. that I had to justify them being there, we told them it wasn't them, it was us. We're extremely lean and mean. We saved mm -hmm. up enough money to operate one year, even if one penny didn't come through the door, and we're hunkering Smart. down. Also, we're doubling down on customer service. Good, 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 good. And, good, and, good. and, and, and but we don't know where it's going on. And quite frankly, we're holding on. Are you still able to produce at the same amount? I mean, are your, your efficiencies and stuff like, oh, are you oh, our efficiency to... can keep getting better. That's why mm -hmm. we're still here. Yeah, we yeah. We well, to devote a huge, huge amount for a company our side into R&D. Wherever you yeah. can automate, we automate. Yeah, you're 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 a unique animal from everything that you've just told me, and I've learned over the few years. You know, you do. I can tell you run a tight ship, and you went into it prepared. You said you had one year put away to support yourself. You know, you thought ahead about what if nothing comes no, in I'm for the next you, twelve months. Yeah, you know. Tennessee homegrown <laughs> right now. We've always keep a year ahead on yep. on operating funds because yep. the first two years I got my teeth kicked in yep and see yep. maybe that might people. be the one advantage that i think on some of these people and you have is mm -hmm. that we got into this when it was iffy and there mm -hmm. were people yeah. that yeah. people that you knew and loved took you aside yeah. and says are you sure you want to do this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 how about a McDonald's franchise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm serious. It's kind of a more plug and play. The numbers are clear. Yeah. But exactly, exactly. You went into it with your eyes wide open, where many people don't. They 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 had rosy glasses on. They you know they they heard this and they heard that and they were going off projections and really until you dug deep and saw what you were going through and, that, and again outdoor versus indoor what the what were the failing points you know oh. mother nature is your outdoors so i i that's why i love all kinds of growing but you have to be realist and like i said what if you lose that whole fucking crop what are you going to do you well know? if you don't have you don't have material head like farmers done traditionally you you're mm -hmm. bad but i mean it's the thing about it is the cannabis pills still runs off of projections instead of actual sales numbers i know i i know and that's what i'm actually working on digging right now harold's funny you should say that because i'm trying to get some global numbers i'm working on getting some some really solid bulk wholesale pricing and nobody wants to give it up well, nobody wants to know well no 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 what patty i've been studying the international market as far as commodity for years it, when it comes to cannabinoids, when you say spot market, it is at that spot at that moment. There is mm -hmm. no universal market. And it's right as hell because if you're trying Correct. if you are trying to make projections, if you can't get real numbers, how does one do how that? can you project? <laughs> exactly. 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 And everybody's saying, Well, what do you want? I'll tell you first you tell me what you want, then I'll tell you how much it is. You know, excuse me, 
you know, it's, it's, it's in it. We're trying to, you know, again, sell both products on our end and we want to be competitive. I don't want to be the most expensive and I don't want to be the least expensive. I want to be the best up, the best choice for what your finished product is, which reminds me, I wanted to ask you, what are your uh, best selling products currently, Harold, when you, um, uh, it's tinctures, gel caps? Oh, DA. Yeah. Okay. He sells, well, Harold sells a lot of attitude. That's his best. <laughs> <laughs> That's priceless. We can't put a price on that. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> We've got a, we have a twofold market. Our, in, our stuff to stores is strictly D8, carts, and edibles. Edibles, okay. as far as D8 slash D9, because now we've thrown off the facade. We're doing these things that are half D8, half D9. And once you put them into an edible, you got them, you know, where it's legal. What know, kind of milligrams do you put in? Is it still 10 on the individual uh, pieces or? No. I'm just curious. Oh, my gosh, no. We got guys around here selling four ounce chocolate bars with 300 milligrams of D8, D9. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Our, our wow. chocolate bar has 10 squares. Wild, wild south. Yeah. Wow. Well, it, it is, you know, the, you know, so and we like our chocolate. So what's going to happen to that market? What are those well, guys going to do? You know, well, when, we shit, keep when, thinking, when D8 does the same thing that everybody else is doing. Well, the, well, it, it's that's what I'm saying is that's why we battened down the hatch because mm. everybody who was doing had warehouses full of CBD distillate now I've converted yep. to, to D8 and yep. and now the synthetics are coming in the O the P yep. the HHC yeah yeah uh, and which so far doesn't seem to be too much customer demand. People still like the eight with a fair amount of D9, and then we're selling this little critter called THCA flower. Yeah, you know it comes in like 10 12 percent thca but it comes okay. in as far as delta nine it comes in at 0.29 and there's huh. a huge market for interesting that, it's like That's so all this gray area because one thing the dea is stretched so thin now it's not even funny yeah i've heard so i've heard so and that's what mm -hmm. i'm saying is and so here you have a huge demand for these products and until they start putting people in jail people are going to fill it and uh we just want to have a good a good product that for one thing we take our own products i mean yeah. that's i'm sorry yeah. we do, we yeah. do get high on our own supply so it's okay. got to be good enough for us and for friends you, and family right. and then it's cool to be able to sell them to other people but right now we're just hanging on and trying to enjoy life and so the carts are probably um you, you're finding those are probably one of the most popular oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah well but see yeah. that moved the, but that's across the board oh uh, yeah flower true. still king flower the, king yep yeah right two flat the according to my research two fastest things are edibles and carts mm -hmm. yep agreed i'll agree with you on that 100 percent um yeah it's interesting i uh how about the outdoor farming in tennessee these days how, how, how many licenses do you guys have there for outdoor <laughs> we had 14 like how many acres do you think yeah. oh minimal like we're all right this year we're not growing for biomass mm -hmm. i'm growing for marketing pictures we put our yeah with the background to be so and lee crabtree big shout out to lee crabtree got himself a drone and is getting real good 
and we're we're growing for show, not dough. Got it. Got it. It's well, about, you do what it takes. See, well, you're, right you now, think outside the box. Well, now it's a, the hardest thing about the cannabis industry right now. I don't care where you are, is selling. We all work our mm -hmm. social network sites. We, I mean, okay. that's the thing about it. It takes a village, and you have to do it mm -hmm. organically. You cannot yeah. buy customers. No, and I think you've got it such a good niche, Harold. The more I think about it, where you, how you position yourself in the community, that's that to me. You are the perfect example of what success can <laughs> we'll look see if like. we're still here two years from now and then we'll yeah. see if we live up to that but we yeah. have been talking now doggone it almost an hour oh gosh <laughs> it always goes by so fast with you guys um, um, there's so much so, to cover i know and that's why you know you can come back <laughs> <laughs> i would step, love to come back and update you mm -hmm. step you got anything from massachusetts to say no, you didn't give me any time, so I'll just I know I'll just keep it quiet. <laughs> well, let's let's just do. You can always edit out. Step. You can always edit out part of mine and put yours in. Well, then it'll be about thirty seconds long. <laughs> won't be, no, I mean, won't be much of a podcast. You can generate content now. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, it, it actually this was, this was very informative and and it's very interesting to hear Patty's experience from a hugely immersive market in Colorado, which became over immersed. So get out to going to Panama, which is barely tapping into it and a lot of other challenges around it. So it's a great resource to hear all of the, the different experiences that you're having across the board. And I think certain states in the US are gonna experience the same thing, you know, very soon. Agreed, agreed. I'll just throw out there to you guys, um, September 1st and 2nd, the LATAM Cannabis Conference is going to be in Panama City. And I do personally know probably a half dozen Americans that are coming from the States. And the same group of people that I see on my invite list have just been in Prague. They've just been in Berlin. They're making their rounds. So now they're coming down to Latin America for this conference. Then we'll go back. We're going to be in Prague in November. Um, so there's kind of a, a, a group from the states which is interesting to me and i'm so excited actually a couple of them are going to come join our team on a project that i've known since i started the other part of what i've been able to do again is to bring people that i've known and worked with over the last you know it's been nine years deep in it that now i can pick up the phone and say hey i got a project in africa and i need your expertise can you guys do it yeah patty we can do it i want to work with those guys you know that yeah we don't we have ai but everything still needs hands and eyes on it we have cameras in all the units still you need to open it up take a look at it touch it and feel it that's my opinion you know all done within the proper sops that the facility that we're working in super excited to have everybody here in september i'm going to actually have a pre-party party the night before um and do a uh we call it a fireside chat with bob hoban who is a uh, with clark hill and I've known Bob since I started in 2014. He's coming with another uh, group of panelists on top of Chris Bolton, who is our CEO, founder, and the brains behind everything that we do. It's gonna be a very robust conversation and a lot of it will be global, but we really wanna zero in on Panama, how to bring Panama in light because we're gonna miss the boat. Colombia, Portugal, Uruguay, Spain, um, just to name a few, 
Poland, Malta, uh, Czech Republic, they're all coming, waiting in, and they're going to be big players too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I can't wait to hear where they're going. Who are my constituents? What are they focusing on? It's gonna, it will be a total, I can't wait. I'm dying to have everybody here and pick everybody's brain. And they're going to want to pick our brain. And Chris Bolton, our CEO, um, has done extensive work since 2018, 19, 20 with the government of Panama. And then, you know, did $100,000 worth of consulting to get the, get the legislation written and all of that. And it's still sitting dead in the water. So um, I couldn't be working with a more qualified group of people who have already established themselves in Panama to be part of the movement. But we're not waiting on Panama. Don't, don't misunderstand. We'll be here. We're behind the scenes. But our focus will be in other countries where we're getting requests for finished products. You know, and, and that's what we can do. We can go right down to package labeling and drop ship and bam, it's out. And again, for the turnkey solution, that's what I think a lot of people are going after. And then we have strictly wholesale bulk providers that just want to export their raw product to the country where you can do finished product. So the fact that I can send my flour, only flour to um, potentially to Germany, but not my finished tincture bottles, it doesn't fit in our model very well. So we need to focus on countries that can receive and do what we're metric and modeled to do. So that, that's just some of the inside scoop on, on what we're trying to accomplish. And in the meantime, spread the good word, be the cheerleader, that call people out on the shit at the same time. <laughs> so that's well, what I do. Yeah, as long as Elon Musk isn't involved, I'm good. <laughs> no, he's not. In fact, one of my team members, you mentioned his name, he breaks out hives. So it's I'm, I'm with, I like your, I like your team member already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great team. And you guys have an open invitation anytime. Come down, visit. I'd love to give you a tour, Harold, and show you some of, you know, how we work you know, and why we believe in what we're doing. And again, once I have Zimbabwe open, that'll be my showcase. Um, my uh, Canadian will be, uh, my projects there are right now currently food focused, but we are planning on swapping crops once our applications are approved for psilocybin is where that particular client wants to go, which is a whole nother market that's coming, you know, which we'll be talking about that soon. So um, yeah, it's, it's a very big bandwidth right now. Uh, thank you again, though, Harold, for inviting me. I know I'm a little, you know, not your typical guest, but um, I really we don't have typical. <laughs> we don't have typical guests. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So now you've already segued into the next time you come. How can people get a hold of you real quick? You can reach me. My email is P letter P Zanin, Z-A-N-I-N at Theracan.solutions. And that's T-H-E-R-A-C-A-N-N dot solutions. And located here in Panama Pacifico is where our corporate headquarters are. Be happy to answer any questions anybody has, or if anybody's visiting Latin America in the near future, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to meet you and um, see if there's any value I can add to your business. Cool. Mr. Stepp, uh, Mark Stepp, Uppercut Media. And I apologize about not giving you more air time. That's okay. It's you. It's all good. I know, but I couldn't do it without you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is Harold Jarbo, 
aka the old hemp farmer and you've been listening to full contact cannabis which is sponsored by those wonderful folks at tennessee homegrown and as always keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market thanks (laughs) sounds good have fun thanks you guys full contact cannabis is a tennessee homegrown and uppercut media production you can find tennessee homegrown on facebook linkedin and twitter visit our website tnhomegrown.com for more background and information covered in our podcast post-production services provided by uppercut media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com howdy folks this is harold jarbo aka the old hemp farmer and i just wanted to thank all you people that have been listening to us, downloading, and also heading on over to our sponsor, Tennessee Homegrown, and buying their wonderful products. We can't do it without you guys, and we know that. And we will always listen, and we will always be there for you as far as our products and also information about our products. Tennessee Homegrown, once again, wants to thank all of you wonderful folks for listening to our podcast and buying our products.